Hello there, and welcome to the 54th episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about George Springer and his near return to game action. He's actually potentially going to start a rehab assignment in the real near future, so we got to get into that. Also going to talk about how Steven Matz was placed on the COVID IL this past weekend, so we got to get into that and how that affects the Blue Jays starting rotation plans going forward. We also got to talk about Kevin Biggio and his return and how he absolutely killed it against the Red Sox during this past weekend and how the Blue Jays in particular on Sunday set a new record at Fenway Park as well. So we got to talk about that. And then things are going to go a little sour here. And unfortunately, we got to talk about the Blue Jays bullpen and how they're in a real bind right now, even though the schedule is getting a little easier as we move forward here. This bullpen issue isn't going to go away anytime soon. And we got to talk about possible solutions, how the Blue Jays may fix this. So let's dive in here. All right. So let's start with the injury news first, like we always do week in and week out. Uh, George Springer. Now, I know this has been a frustrating topic because every day, seemingly, we've been given an update about George Springer, and it's kind of the same one. He does some running on the bases, taking some fly balls in center field, taking batting practice, but even though we got that same sort of update over the weekend from Charlie Montoyo and the Blue Jays, we also got a little tease at when we could see Springer make his uh, return to games down in a rehab assignment with the Buffalo Bisons or Trent Thunder, whatever you're calling them these days. Um, because Montoyo, he didn't come out and say that Springer will start his rehab assignment on Tuesday, but he certainly hinted at that. And because Monday is an off day throughout the minor leagues, there's, a, there's no way Springer is starting his rehab assignment on Monday, so that would have to come on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, we won't know for sure of that until Montoyo speaks to the media uh, later on Monday, but it really seems like that's where this is heading. Um, but even if Springer doesn't start his rehab assignment on Tuesday, like it seems like he will. Um, I, I don't think there's any shred of doubt that Springer will be uh, assigned to AAA on a rehab assignment sometime this week. Whether or not it's Tuesday, we'll have to wait and see. But as long as he stays healthy, doesn't have any sort of setback, and it seems like he's in a really good spot right now, uh, it, it, it really, really appears to be like Springer could be back with the Blue Jays in the very near future. Um, but considering he's been off for so long, there's no question the Blue Jays will want to give him some time in the minors to you know, get back into game shape and you know, really give that quad a test. But uh, I mean, if everything goes well over these next you know, seven to 10 days, maybe a little bit more, maybe a, w a little bit less, we could see Springer back up with the Blue Jays maybe by the end of June. I mean, it's hard to put a timeline on it just because the Blue Jays want to be so cautious 
with Springer's quad because they weren't that cautious the first time. They really want this injury nipped in the butt. They don't want any uh, ramifications down the road from it. So let's hope for the best for Springer on Monday, Tuesday, moving forward as well. Um, but like I alluded to at the beginning here, Blue Jays got some unfortunate news and it's not really um, concrete as to what they're kind of dealing with here because Steven Matz produced an inconclusive test Sunday morning. Uh, he didn't test positive, but they don't know for sure whether or not he doesn't have COVID or not. Um, the Blue Jays haven't given any information as to whether or not Steven Matz has been fully vaccinated or not. Um, so that could play into things as well. But because Matz didn't test positive, there's no set timeline for when he needs to be out for. Like say, if you test positive, you need to be out, I believe a minimum of 10 days, I believe, and you have to produce two consecutive negative tests to be able to return after those 10 days. I believe that's, that's the policy that's in place right now. Um, but considering Matt's was originally slated to throw on Wednesday against the Yankees in Buffalo, this could throw a wrench into the Blue Jays' plan a little bit here. Now, obviously, if Matt's continues to produce negative tests, we should get an update on him Monday afternoon. So maybe this whole situation is resolved by the time most of you are listening to this. But if Matt's isn't cleared for Wednesday and has to quarantine or, or whatever he has to do, um, the Blue Jays may be in a little bit of a pickle for Wednesday because they got Hunjin Ryu throwing in the opener against the Yankees. They got Ross Stripling slated to go on the 17th, which is the Thursday. So I wouldn't think they would move Ross Stripling up a spot because then they would have that same issue on the 17th if Matt still isn't able to go. So they may be forced to recall, recall somebody from the minor league, somebody like Anthony Kay or TJ Zoik, maybe even Nate Pearson, although he's still battling through his mechanical issues in, in the minors right now. So I don't know if they want to thrust him back up in the majors and have him endure a similar situation that he went through against the Astros a few weeks ago when he walked everyone around the bases. Um, but we'll see. I mean, hopefully Matt's is okay and is able to return the mount, return to the mound on Wednesday. And, and this is just a little bump in the road, little hiccup because of the, uh, lack of accuracy with the COVID testing, but we'll have to wait and see on that front. Now, as for how the Blue Jays offense performed over the weekend. They mashed extremely well against the Red Sox this past weekend. Should have won Friday's game, if not for the bullpen. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but their offense lit it up on Saturday, beating the Red Sox 7-2. And then, if things weren't bad enough for Boston, they got a ultimate beatdown 
by the Blue Jays this past Sunday, losing 18 to four and allowing eight different home runs at Fenway Park, which set a new record for the number of home runs allowed at Fenway Park in a single game. Crazy, right? Because Fenway Park has been around for decades and has never allowed more than eight home runs in a single game. It's kind of hard to believe, but that's what happened with Marcus Simeon hitting a home run, Bo Bichette, Vladdy hitting his league, major league leading 21st home run, Rowdy Telez hitting a pinch hit home run off of Marwin Gonzalez in quote unquote garbage time, to Oscar Hernandez hitting a pair of bombs, Lurdy's Gurriel Jr. going deep, and Kevin Biggio, who had a very impressive weekend series against the Red Sox after he came off the IL uh, prior to Friday's game. In particular, Biggio has looked like a completely different hitter since being activated off the injured list. Imagine that, right? He's finally healthy. He battled through that, that ligament injury in his right hand earlier this season. And then apparently he was going through this neck pain pretty much throughout the entire year as well. And it was pretty open about it recently as well, saying that then that, that neck injury largely affected him a lot at the plate. Um, it was bothering him pretty significantly in the batter's box. So it's kind of understandable how those two injuries would not only hinder him physically, but also take a major toll on his mental aspect as well so maybe we should give Biggio a little bit of a break for his early season struggles because if he can continues to hit the way he did against Boston this past weekend whew, Blue Jays lineup is about to get very very deep because over three games against Boston Biggio went six for 12 or six for 14 with two singles two doubles, two home runs, two RBIs, two walks, only one strikeout. He did hit into a double play, but that is what it is. Um, if we get into his batted ball metrics here, to me, this is like mind-blowing a little bit, taking into account Biggio's earlier struggles from, from the first you know month and a half of the season. So let me break it down for everyone here. Through these three games, Kevin Biggio put 11 balls in play. So he had 11 batted ball events. Of those 11 batted ball events, Biggio had eight balls put in play at 95 miles per hour or higher. And of those 11 events, he barreled up three of those balls which is crazy because Biggio looked absolutely lost at the plate prior to his injury, right? Like he was expanding the zone so much more than he was previously in his career, striking at a ton, almost at a 30% clip, and wasn't generating nearly as much contact as he had in the past. And it really looked like, you know, maybe Biggio needed some time off, which ultimately that's what he did need. Uh, maybe he even needed 
a little bit of time to rework some stuff in the minors too, but his swing looked perfect over the weekend against the Red Sox. So I'm really encouraged to see what he's able to do moving forward in this series, this uh, four-game series finale against Boston and what he'll be able to accomplish coming up against the Yankees. Then we got the Orioles coming up too. And aside from John Means, their pitching staff's pretty mediocre. So there's a lot of, of good opportunities heading-wise coming up for Cabin Biggio. So let's see what he's able to accomplish through the, through the rest of June and and hopefully he can continue hitting like the way he did against Boston because like I said like the Blue Jays were lacking a ton a ton of production in their bottom third of the order the, the top five top six mashing they've been mashing for most of the season right but they the Blue Jays were really really being hindered by those last three hitters in their lineup and you know obviously with Springer eventually coming back if the Blue Jays can get some production out of their catching spot that'll help but again if Biggio's hitting in the seven or eighth hole and hitting pretty effectively it's gonna be very difficult for any pitcher across the major leagues to uh, pick apart this Blue Jays lineup moving forward now like I said we got to get into the bullpen a little bit here and um, it's very frustrating from the fan bases from the Blue Jays perspective because through the first you know few weeks month and a half of this season blue the blue jays bullpen was probably one of the strengths of their team you know the starting rotation was in a little bit of a shamble just because robbie ray struggled out of the gate and you really could only trust three starters in your rotation at that time because Ross Stripling was still figuring things out, right? He, the, he, this was before he made the mechanical adjustments he made with his leg kick where he's holding his, his arms. So he was figuring stuff out. And the Blue Jays didn't really have a fifth starter in April or May. So they had to lean on their bullpen a lot and it bailed them out. But since the middle of May, the Blue Jays bullpen has taken a major step back and some of that has been because of injuries you know losing David Phelps for the year that sucks they still haven't had Julian Merriweather throughout this entire spin which is also a major blow Jordan Romano took spent some some time away because he was battling some injuries Dolis took a stint on the IL Tim Meza hasn't been great Tyler Chatwood has completely lost his release point and has been rushing his delivery a little bit on the mound too. So he's, can't trust him either, which sucks because he was unhittable earlier this season. Um, you know, so the Blue Jays have had to rely on other guys in high leverage situations who aren't probably suited for those types of roles. Guys like Trent Thornton, Joel Piamps, Anthony Castro has looked good recently since he uh, got rid of that forearm tightness so he's probably someone they'll continue to rely on but there's really only three guys the Blue Jays can trust in high leverage spots right now with with Romano and I mean Dolis is hit and miss so you know 
having him as one of your setup guys, one of your prime and only setup guys, isn't a recipe for success, as we've already seen. Um, so since, let's get into the numbers a little bit. Um, since May 18th, which was when the Blue Jays started that series against the Rays in May, and they blew a lot of winnable games because their bullpen just couldn't hold any lead. Uh, since then, Toronto's bullpen owns the highest walk rate, the second worst Fangraphs war rating, they have the eighth highest ERA, and they're also tied for the most losses among all 30 teams in the majors. And there aren't any clear signs as to when this could get better for the Blue Jays because um, we don't really know when Julian Merriweather is going to come back. He sort of has started some baseball activities, but it's still very early in his recovery process. Uh, obviously, you're not going to have Phelps for the rest of the year. Um, hopefully, you can get some depth from your minors because... Patrick Murphy is a guy that the Blue Jays have already moved to the bullpen. He spent some time up in the majors in a reliever role as well last year. And looked pretty decent as well. But he's coming off an injury that he sustained in, in spring training. So he's going to need some time here to build back up his arm strength. Um, he really hasn't even thrown that much in the minors as of late either. He last threw on June 12th. And through a couple of innings, but looked pretty effective in that. Faced six batters and struck out three of them. So, you know, I just, because it's so early in the season, I don't think there's any way the Blue Jays can go out on the trade market and acquire a high leverage arm without paying an arm and a leg to get that player or two. Because it seems like the Blue Jays are probably going to need to trade for a, a, a pair of high leverage arms before the deadline passes. Um, now, obviously, they have a ton of prospect capital that they could go out and get that done. But there's going to be a strong market for pitching. There always is every year. Every competitive team, seemingly every season, is looking for either a frontline starter or a high leverage arm. So it's going to cost, probably going to cost the Blue Jays a little bit. And the thing is, too, in my mind, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Blue Jays to go out and acquire rental pieces. Just because, because they're the Blue Jays, I hate to say this, I really do, but because they're the Blue Jays and they play in Toronto and they play in Canada, they're not an ideal stop for most players. Um, and as someone who lives in Canada, I hate to say that, but it's true. Um, the dollar, the Canadian dollar versus the American dollar plays a lot into it. I've heard that numerous times, numerous times over, over the years. So spending a high price on a few rentals to only have them for half a season, like if the Blue Jays were to go out and get 
somebody like Daniel Hudson from the National, who's a free agent after this year, or Brad Hand, who's having a very good season with the Nationals as well. He's a free agent at the end of the year. So I think for the Blue Jays, because they're not a legitimate World Series contender this year, they're without question a playoff contender. But are they a, a serious championship contending team for this season? I don't think so. I, I just It's the pitching, right? I just don't think they have enough right now in the starting rotation and in the bullpen to seriously compete against the Tampa Bay Rays or the Chicago White Sox just to make it to the World Series, let alone have to compete against teams like the Dodgers, the Padres, the Mets for the World Series. So I think the Blue Jays are probably a year or two away from being that legitimate World Series contending team. So I think game plan wise, for the trade deadline, they need to go out and acquire guys with um, length, contract-wise. So guys who are signed through this season and beyond. So ideally, you don't want to go after rental players. Let the teams that are actually championship contenders go out and spend prospects on guys that could walk at the end of the year. For the Blue Jays, they need to go out and get guys who have uh, team control next season and the season after that hopefully because I would rather pay a little bit more for, for a quality bullpen arm or in the starting rotation who you know is going to be on the roster for this season and the season after that and hopefully this season beyond that as well but again it's still a little early to start planning for who the Blue Jays are going to go after closer to the deadline. That, that stuff is probably going to pick up, you know, towards the end of June, early July. That's when you, you'll start seeing teams go out and be aggressive because the prices will be a lot lower for those types of guys. So in the meantime, the Blue Jays have to deal with this internally. Right, they gotta get guys like Chatwood right, and they gotta figure out Tim Mays' control. Even though he's been better recently, he's still kind of battling with his accuracy a little bit. Um, but again, like I said, they gotta rely on some. They're probably gonna have to call on some guys from the minors too. And you know, if Patrick Murphy's still a week or two away from being ready to come up in the major leagues and and serving in those high leverage situations, maybe the guys, maybe the Blue Jays look at somebody like Anthony Kay or TJ Zoic because looking at Kay's numbers in particular in the minors so far, he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good at all in either of his three starts since being activated off the IL because he's only pitched beyond the fifth inning once in those three minor league outings he's been rocked all around the ballpark he's allowed a home run at least one home run and two of those starts he's also struggling with his command a little bit walked two batters in his most recent outing on june 13th but he is striking out a lot of hitters 
Even though he allowed two walks in that last outing, he struck out seven. The start before, he struck out five batters. And then his first start in the minors, he struck out six. So, even though he's a little inconsistent with his command, I think because Anthony Kay, even though the Blue Jays are going to have to rely on depth, right? Because we've seen already through the first two and a half months of this season, guys get hurt. Guys are getting hurt like crazy this year, right? So you're going to need to rely on your depth. The Blue Jays have already been forced to do that this year. But K is so far down on the Blue Jays depth chart for starting pitching, right? Like even though Nate Pearson is going through his mechanical issues and Thomas Hatch is still working through uh, building himself back up after being off for so long. I still think both of those guys are ahead of Anthony Kay on the depth chart. And you could even make an argument about TJ Zoic being higher on the depth chart than Anthony Kay. Because TJ Zoic actually has been pretty respectable in the minor leagues so far this season. He's made seven appearances, six starts, compiled 35 innings. He's got a 437 ERA, a 438 FIP. 461 expected FIP. He's striking out guys pretty respectably at a 15.9% clip. He's got a f- only a 5.3% walk rate. So you're not worried. You won't be worried about him walking batters around the bases. Um, his ground ball rate has dropped a little bit compared to his previous uh, performance. He's got a 46.1% ground ball rate this season compared to a 47.1% ground ball rate in 2019 in the majors. Um, So, I mean, he is giving up a little bit more line drives, but considering Zoic has been able to strike out batters a little bit more effectively, if you put him in a reliever type role, his stuff should tick up a little bit, get a, gain a little bit more velocity on his sinker. That could help him strike out batters a little bit more, induce more ground balls. So I think K, Zoic, and Murphy, I think those are three guys that the Blue Jays have to strongly consider moving to the bullpen, at least for now, right? Because we saw Anthony K in that reliever type role last season and he was pretty effective for the Blue Jays he wasn't great and he struggled at times but for the most part he was a he was an effective lefty coming out of your bullpen and if guys stay healthy in the rotation and if the Blue Jays go out and acquire a frontline starter at the deadline when is Anthony Kay ever gonna see time bearing an injury Back in the rotation again. I just don't see it because he's so far on down on the depth chart. And I know depth is important, especially for pitchers. But the Blue Jays need help in the bullpen now. Not two, three weeks from now. And I don't really care that the schedule is getting easier. Because you're still going to have high leverage situations. Sure, the Blue Jays offense is going to be able to help them avoid a lot of those uh, situation, especially when they're playing against Baltimore, two separate series. They got Miami, they got Seattle coming up. I get it. But you can't just have 
Romano and Dolis, and maybe Meza, potentially Castro, as your high leverage arms. You're not helping yourself if those are the guys you're counting on to secure three outs or four outs, whatever it is, at the end of games. It's not going to work out for you. Um, and because the Blue Jays need to make up games here to be able to position themselves to compete for one of those two wildcard spots at the end of the year, they need to win a lot of these games coming up so they can actually be in a competitive position this time next month to go out and acquire some high leverage arms, some front, a front line starter, maybe two. Because if they blow a lot more games, winnable games, especially against the Orioles, the Marlins, the Mariners, and the Tigers eventually too. If they blow winnable games like that because they can't rely on Dolis, or they have to use both of them, Dolis and Romano, in a game, and then they're not available for another one, and because of that, the Blue Jays' bullpen blows the game because they don't have enough high-leverage arms in their pen, they're going to be kicking themselves. So, I don't think it's too early to panic. And maybe panic's not the right word to use, but it's clear the Blue Jays need help now. And it's not going to come in the form of a trade because it's too early for that. And you can't just hope that Tyler Chatwood and others are going to figure it out. So, the Blue Jays need to take action. And yes, they've already kind of done that because Murphy's been moved to the bullpen and he's coming. It's only a matter of time. But the Blue Jays kind of need somebody now to step up. And, and they need probably more than one person to do that as well. So... It'll be a very, very interesting next two weeks to see what happens with this team. Because after they finish this series with the Red Sox, they got three games against the Yankees. And then after that, like I said, they got the Orioles. They got the Marlins. Then they get the Orioles again for four games. They finish June by playing a three-game set against the Mariners. Then they get to see the Tampa Bay Rays for three games in early July. Then again, you get another three-game set against the Orioles. And then to finish the first half, unofficial first half of the regular season, the Blue Jays have a three-game set against the Rays again. Then coming out of the All-Star game, the Blue Jays play a three-game set against the Texas Rangers in Buffalo. So this next month worth of games are very, very winnable for the Blue Jays and they need to win a lot of games. They need to win most of these series coming up. There's no reason why they can't win two out of three against Baltimore this coming weekend. There's no reason why they can't at least split that series against the Marlins. Hopefully sweep them. It's only a two-game set. You better win three or four against the Orioles late June. And then the Mariners... Sure, they got a lot of good young players, but there's no reason why you can't win two out of three against them either. But then to finish July, it gets a little tricky for the Blue Jays because they got the Red Sox twice. They get the New York Mets, who are a very good team. 
And then you got the Kansas City Royals to finish July. So that helps you a little bit. But seeing the Red Sox twice, even though the Blue Jays just beat the living crap out of their pitching and exposed a lot of flaws in the, in the Red Sox roster, who, you know, a lot of people were already thinking that they were weak pitching-wise. The Blue Jays just kind of exposed them this past weekend for exactly that. So maybe you don't fear the Red Sox and you certainly don't really fear the Yankees the way they're playing right now. But again, as good as the Blue Jays offense is playing right now, they can only do so much, right? They can't carry you from now until the deadline. You need some help. And, and Patrick Murphy isn't, you know, he can't do everything, right? And he still needs some time in the bullpen to, you know, build himself up and, and get into game shape but we'll see what happens i i fully expect to see the blue jays go out and trade for a number of arms next month but this is a very very key time for them and it'll be crucial for them to make up some ground from now until the deadline so they can really put themselves in a good position to compete for a playoff spot down the stretch. But that does it for this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed my deep dive into the Blue Jays' bullpen, their struggles, how they could actually potentially move some of their internal options to hopefully help them out at the major league level. But we'll see what happens. But until next time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and now you're up to date. And remember... Please wear a mask, wear it properly, don't go out unless you have to. I know patios are open in Ontario, the weather's beautiful, but unless you're fully vaccinated, you need to stay home. And most importantly, get vaccinated, both doses, come on people, it's the only way we're getting through this pandemic. Anyway, thanks for listening.